Hey, yeah, if we haven't met, I'm Nathan. I'm on staff here. Um, what, what? Uh, if, you're, if you're a fella and you go to Kirkwood, um, 11.30 on Tuesdays, we're doing a little Bible study. It'd be sweet to see you. We're going through um, just a really simple way of studying the Bible, and, and it's been a blast. Um, show up in the library, 11.30 Tuesdays, and show up to Monday morning prayer. That's if you're a fella or a lady, uh, and whatever school you go to, whatever, that stuff is in your announcement. We want to pray together. We want to be a praying people. And one of, the, one of the ways that we learn how to pray is by praying with each other, right? Does that sound good? Say, yup. yup. All right. We're finishing our identity series tonight, Lost and Found. Okay? And, and we're finishing it with um, hopefully this idea of protecting or pursuing the identities we've received from God. And I guess as I've been praying for you and thinking about you, one of the things that's just been coming to mind as I've been, as I've been praying for you guys and thinking about you is, um, is I want you to experience life. Like, I really, really want you to experience life. I think you want that too, right? Like, no one's like, it's whatever, right? I, I kind of don't want to let. No, like, like, we all actually really want to experience life. Like, the things that you're doing, you're, you're chasing because you want to experience you, you want to taste what life has for you. And we might disagree on, on what life actually should have for you, where it's going, but the things you're doing, the choices you're making, the sacrifices you're making are probably for life. And one of my prayers for you this week has been that God would give you more life, that you would taste, that you would, you would see how much real life he has for you. As we've been thinking about this identity series um, we're trying to hone in on what it means to live out the identity God has for us. And maybe the word identity is kind of like that gets lost in sort of Christian lingo for you. Maybe think about this. Think about reputation. Someone say reputation. Reputation, reputation is kind of like your, your public life, right? Like what it means for you to have a life in public. And I'm going to unplug this and plug this back in real quick because it's going in and out. It's probably my fault. No, it's not in. Yeah, it is. You guys are, come on, come on. Okay, hey, reputation. Um, th think about the different kinds of reputations that you have. Like, like a, a reputation is, is something that you have, but it's also kind of something you earn and maintain, right? Like if you want the reputation of someone who's an athlete, you live certain ways as an athlete. You go to the gym. You show up for practice. You show up on game day. Like, if you want people to know you as an athlete, you, you start to work to back that up because, because you want to you wanna be what they see. And you know over time they'd sniff it out if you weren't that. If you want a rep as an athlete, you're going to show up for that. Or maybe you, you want a reputation as, as a good person. Like, maybe that was your reputation growing up, and you, you want to maintain that. You want to protect that reputation. So you don't do the kinds of things you know you get caught for. Right? Or, or you, you think about the kinds of things you say around certain kinds of people. That doesn't have to be hypocrisy. You just, you just are aware of those things. If that's the reputation you want to have, you watch your mouth. You, you try to keep up expectations with your parents or your friends or your teachers. Maybe you want a reputation as a funny person, right? The class clown. And so you're going to speak up when other people are silent. 
when other people are trying to, trying to watch themselves keep their mouths shut, you're going to make the joke. You're that person. You, you enjoy that reputation. And maybe you don't even think about it anymore, but there was a point where you started doing that and you loved it. You fed off of it. That, that's your reputation. Maybe you want the reputation of someone who is desirable, attractive, sexy, someone that people want to be with. And it shows up in how you pick out your clothes or maybe how you present yourself online or, or maybe the ways that you talk or flirt or try to flirt for some of you guys. Not working, right? <laughs> Lord, I mean, may, maybe, maybe that actually shows up in, the, in the, the kinds of compromises that you've made the kinds of decisions you've made where you said, okay, if I really want to be desirable, I actually have to, I have to do some things I didn't expect, but it, it's worth it if that's going to be my reputation. I have to defend it. If I'm, if I'm really going to be wanted, I can only run just fast enough to get caught. Everyone has a reputation. Every single one of us. Even if your reputation is like being chill about your reputation, like that's a reputation, okay? Like you, you have a reputation, and we make choices to earn and to protect that. It shows up in how you live. I, I can't tell you that my reputation is an athlete if I never show up to the gym. Like, if I'm, if I'm never going to be on the team, like, I can tell you I have a, I have a reputation, but it's just, it, that's not it, right? That's not how it works. All of us are pursuing something. But how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us want the reputation of being a devoted follower of Jesus. Like if that's what people you ask publicly. I, I think all of us want like a get out of hell free card, right? But, but I don't, I actually don't know if, if like we really are bought into like that's the reputation I want, right? People on campus are gonna know, follower Jesus, what's up, right? Like that's cool with my Christian friends, but like I don't know if I want that as a reputation. But play that out with me. Imagine if you did want that. Do you even know how you would start to, to earn that reputation? Like, again, we know what an athlete would do, but, but what would a devoted follower of Christ do? Because we've seen a lot of religious hypocrisy, right? Like, we've seen a lot of people that, that talk the talk on a Sunday but don't actually have that real reputation. Like, what would you do if you really want to be a devoted follower of Jesus? What's the, what's the gym that you head to? What do they pursue actually in their lives? And let me tell you this, the people who are, are really devoted followers of Jesus, those kinds of people, I'm just going to be honest with you, they have more life than you do. Like, they have more peace than you do. They have more freedom than you do. I'm, I'm not bashing you. That's just true. The people I've seen that, that live life to the fullest, they're the ones that, that walk closest with Jesus, period. I'm not talking just church people. I'm not just talking people that call themselves Christian. I'm, I'm actually talking about real devoted followers of Jesus. I want you to have more life. I, I genuinely do, and I, I've been praying of you and thinking of you. That, that's not just stuff I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to do for you. And I, I want for you what they have. So what are they pursuing that ends in that kind of life? That's kind of where we're going tonight, okay? Book of Colossians. Uh, if you got a Bible, I'd love for you to flip there. If you got an app, you can tap there. If you got a table of contents, flip there and then flip there. But um, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, we're going through four verses. We're going to unpack them during this time. And um, just as you turn a little context, 
Colossians is a book written by Paul, the church planter, to one of these churches that he was part of planting in, in the city that was like a, a Roman established city. They were dealing with all kinds of uh, religious mixing in this area, pagan influence, Jewish influence, all this. The city of Colossae is in modern-day Turkey. It's literally just a mound of dirt now. You can go and you won't be thrilled, I promise you. Um, but, but the things that Paul said to this church actually really do apply to us when it comes to knowing what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus, someone who has this real life, and someone who's fighting for their identity. I'm going to read verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We'll get to the rest of the verses. Pause there. We'll go through them kind of one at a time. He says, if then, right? That's, that's a conditional statement. Someone say, if, yeah. right? If this, then that. So, so he's got a condition. If, if you want this real life, like if you want all God has for you, if you want to be a devoted follower, there's, there's a condition to this. Something has to, to happen. He says, if you've been raised with Christ. Okay, think about that. That's kind of a weird phrase, right? Like, raised where? Like, grown up? Or like, like what, what does Bible language like that mean? He, it's a word picture of what happens when you put your trust in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus. It's a picture of how Jesus raised from the dead. He's saying, you are raised with him. Jordan's actually going to get into that picture more next week when we talk about baptism. But he's saying this is an essential description of a follower of Jesus. They are a raised people. Raised from what? Jesus was raised from the dead. He's saying that we are people united with him and raised from, from the dead. Like the spiritual deadness of our sin, we've actually been brought out of the dead and made alive. Something supernatural has happened. If you're that kind of person because you've trusted Jesus, the, the rest of the stuff starts to fall. All the old reputations you've been chasing, they can't give you the things that they promised. They can't do it. You can only find that kind of life by trusting in Jesus, by being united with him in his death and resurrection. We're going to talk about that in detail later. Let me, let me say this again. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's a command there, right? Seek, pursue, chase after the right response to what Jesus has done. So, so if you've got life in him, if you've got life with him, this is what your life starts to look like. You seek the things that are above where, where Christ is. He says, seated at the right hand of God. We were praying earlier, James is seated at my right hand, right? The right hand is a place of, of authority. It's the, the place of strength. The, the person at a king's right hand has his authority. Jesus is seated at a position of authority and power. James, I didn't transfer to you, buddy. No, it doesn't work like that. Okay, Jesus, Jesus is in the position of authority over all of creation, over all people, over, over your life. That's where he is. So, so our seeking is based on who he is and where he is. But again, that phrase, seek the things that are above, that might, again, be more like Christian lingo, right? What are the things above? Like, above what? One of the things Paul is dealing with in Colossae in, in chapter 2 is that people had introduced a lot of legalism. Someone say legalism. legalism. Right? You've maybe heard that word if you've been around Christianity. It's adding laws and rules to what God has said 
as if those thing could, things could earn God's love or his favor, right? So, so it's, it's rules on top of rules to try to, to make you feel better about your position with God, but it doesn't work, and it's not God's plan for you. So they had rules about what you could eat or which days you could celebrate, what festivals you had to have, like you have to fast these certain days and do all this stuff. They, they were adding to what Jesus had given and telling people, if you want God to really love you, you gotta, you got to live the way that we're saying. Traditions. They were working really hard to have a devoted reputation, but not actually finding life with Jesus, right? Sounds like a terrible place to be. And maybe that's your experience with Christianity. A lot of working really hard to have a devoted reputation and no life. So even as I was saying earlier, I want you to have life that is foreign to your experience of faith. And, and I'm so sorry for that. That's not what Jesus has for you. He has something different for you tonight. Okay. Seek the things that are above. They, they thought that they were seeking life through rules and duty and the appearance of spirituality and they're missing Jesus. So what are the things above? It's, it's real life in the spirit with God, a real relationship where the things that Jesus loves, the things he cares about, the things he desires start to become the things that we chase after, the things that we love, the things we value. Guys, it's tapping into the mind and heart of the God of the universe. Like that's an option for you in your life. And what happens is we become a different kind of people because we walk with God. We know him. Uh, this, this is not a rhetorical question. I want you to answer this. Um, if I wanted to become an athlete, how would I do that? Like, you, you're going to have to be a little bit bold, and you're going to have to shout something out. But if I want to become an athlete, I'm going to have to run. I'm going to have to work out, train. What else? Eat healthy. Hit the weight room. Drink water. Hey, that's the, that's the real hack. Okay. No, I can drink coffee still. Don't, don't doubt me. Okay. Get a coach. That's helpful. Get a team. I might have to pick a sport then, right? <laughs> Just join any team. Like, all right, Pilates team, let's do it, right? Esports, e my dude. These thumbs are getting a workout. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the sport I was talking about. Uh, okay. You, you guys have mentioned a, a lot of things here. Um, one of the things you guys didn't mention is goals. So I could hit the weight room, but if I have no goals, I don't know if I'm going to get very far. I could run. But if I have no goals, I'm kind of running aimlessly, right? Like every team rallies around certain goals, certain ambitions. If your team has no goals, I don't know what you're doing, right? Usually the goal is that at the very least, like get the ball in the place it's supposed to go, right? That's a goal. Or, I mean, like in soccer, literally is a goal. But uh, all of the things that we assumed in there actually are, are energized and motivated by, by certain goals, certain markers, certain things that we set our sights on, right? So, so if I'm hitting the weight room, I'm probably going to sustain by trying to push my max, right? If I'm drinking water, I'm going to drink a certain amount of water every day, right? Not just generally water, like, all right, I had like a little bit of water. Like, I actually have goals for it. I'm setting my, my sights on, on certain things, and I'm going after those things. I'm, I'm charging for certain things here. You need clear goals that you're chasing and seeking after. So, so let me ask you, in your life, in your reputation, what, what are your goals? Like, what are the things that you're seeking? What are you pursuing? When, when he says seek, like, 
think of hide and seek as a kid. It's, it's an ambition. It's a direction. It's a desire. It's a goal. In hide and seek, you're trying to find something. And you're working really hard and trying to be strategic. Some of you are maybe bad at hide and seek. I don't know. But you're, you're trying to find something because you, you have an end in sight. Let me say this differently. What, where are your sights set? Is it a relationship? Like, like right now, be real with me. Don't, don't just think in, in terms of what you know the right answer is. Where, where have your goals been set? Where have your sights been set? What have you been looking towards? What have you been seeking? Is it a relationship? Is it money? Is it just finishing school or finishing the semester? Is it getting that job that you've really been hoping for? The, the first thing we're seeing in this text, in this verse, is you've got to set your sights if you're going to be this devoted follower of Jesus. And, and I like the language of sight because, because you're, you're setting a goal, a target. Set your sights. Real life is found in setting your sights on things above, in knowing and pursuing Jesus. Let me tell you, for most of us in this room tonight, your sights are set way too low. Your goals are much too small. Real life with Jesus is calling to you, but you might have to start seeking some things you've never sought before. This might look like setting your sights on becoming a devoted follower of Jesus for the first time. Like you maybe prayed a prayer or raised your hand one time, but that never actually became the thing that you were seeking after. You didn't set your sights. You might need to abandon a passive form of Christianity that was never doing much for you anyway. You might need to abandon your uninformed spirituality and accept his invitation to more life. He's gonna shape your character. He's gonna shape your values. He's gonna shape your desires, but you gotta set your sights on seeking the things that are above and let him do that stuff in the process. You need to set your sights on the kingdom of God breaking into your reputation. When you start to set your sights and seek the things above, your world is going to get flipped in the process. You'll begin to encounter more real life along the way. Set your sights. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. Okay, Paul isn't saying like, forget your class, right? That's a thing of the earth. Pfft, Jesus, right? No, that's not what he's saying, okay? Let's correct that real quick. Okay. What, is, what does he mean when he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth? What, what is he talking about? If the first commandment is set your sights, now what is set your mind? What's the difference between sight, sight and mind? He, he's talking about the things that get your attention. Someone say attention. attention. The things that occupy you during the day. During those passive moments when you're, when you're walking between classes or when you're, when you're in bed trying to fall asleep, the things that start to come to your mind. If you've set your sights, if you set your goal, you might find yourself trying to take action and actually finding yourself unable because your attention has been distracted. If I want to be an athlete and compete, I might actually struggle with the action for reasons that are, that are different than just setting goals. I have a confession to you. Um, I've got an addictive personality. It's not like diagnosed, but I just know myself well enough and the amount of coffee I drink. Um, I, I have an addictive personality. And that shows up all the time. Like when I read books, I'm reading like four or five books at a time, right? 
I know it's it's yeah. That's not like that's genuinely not a brag. That's just a weird thing. Or I got into sailing and I'm like, I gotta get a sailing tattoo. I've gotta like I've gotta read. I've been practicing knots. Like oh okay, this is great. I love it actually. Great. Jesus sailed. Be like Jesus, right? Um, can I get an amen? amen? No, thank you. Um, but but here's here's where it's bad and here's genuinely something that I'm I'm really embarrassed about. I can I can get addicted to like phone games and stuff. And I, I get, when I get addicted, I get addicted hard, right? Okay, like genuinely, or I'm not addicted to TikTok. Some people are, I'm not. Um, I'm not pointing people out right now, but it, so, so here's what happened. This is like, like, enter in this with me, okay? There's a game called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Don't raise your hand if you've heard of it. Don't whoop. No, this is embarrassing. I started playing it because I'm like, it's no big deal. I'm sitting on the couch, TV's on, whatever. I'm just gonna play this little game, right? Not a big thing. Um, if, you, if you know anything about games like this, it's like, oh, you have to get this many shards to get this thing, but you need energy to do that, which only recharges about this amount of time, and you can get a secret bonus if you log in at this time and do this, right? Like, it's like layers on layers. Here, here's, here's what happened to me. I started having all these, like, timers in my head. I don't know if this has happened to you before, but I, like, had, like, timers going off of, like, well, my guild quest, I can log back in in an hour, and then I can have more points to get whatever to earn this shard to unlock this character so I can unlock more characters, right? So that I can pl- play more. Like, the, it, it. So, so here's why I'm embarrassed. I would go throughout my day and be in conversations with people with these timers in the back of my mind. And I'd be trying my hardest to engage with the person and secretly be going like, well, in two minutes, I've got to uh, sneak out of here somehow and go log in so I can get my energy, right? That, that was actually happening <laughs> all the time, Okay. My attention, like, I was trying so hard to focus on my real life, the things that are, like, in front of me that are tangible, like people, and I had Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, like, all up in my head, okay? And that might not be your jam. Maybe your jam is TikTok, and you're like, how many people have viewed me, like, doing this? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that was funny. Sorry, right? Or, or, Or maybe it's other things that get your attention, like, like, there's a device in your pocket that is designed to take your attention. It's the endless scroll. Literally designed, like, that was, a, that was a, a design to get you to just keep getting sucked in. And so you don't even notice it, but you're, like, you have two minutes of gap time. And instead of, like, standing there or, like, talking to somebody, you go, Whoosh. and you look around at a restaurant, and it's like whole families are, like, like, I watched a grandma on her, like, iPad and her little, like, grandson on, on some smartphone. I don't know why he was doing that. And the parents were doing it too, right? That's the, that's the discovery page, right? Or the explore page. Like, the, those things are designed to get your attention because there could be something you missed. Like, there could be a little something more for you there. Here's the thing that happens. What gets your attention gets your affection. It gets your emotion. It gets your desire. And what gets your affection gets your action. So, so maybe you've been trying to take action and your, your affection, your heart hasn't been moved. And maybe your heart hasn't been moved because your attention was actually robbed, taken somewhere else. I'm going to be doing a, the technology breakout with a um, guy named Rudy Hartman who's, yeah, he's directing uh, Salt Penn State, um, good buddy. He came up with, with some of this language, but... But, but I want you to, to think about this. this. is very important. What gets your attention gets your affection, your, your emotion, your desire. What gets your attention gets your affection. And what gets your affection gets your action. 
Like what gets your mind, what gets your attention really matters. And there are lots of things getting your attention that might actually stop you from being a devoted follower of Jesus. You might just want to write that phrase down if you write nothing else down. What gets your attention gets your affection and what gets your affection gets your action. Instead of trying to start with action, you might need to start with attention. This might be your struggle with porn. Like you, you see people in relationships that you really want to be, you want to be in a relationship like that. And, and your attention goes there and your heart starts to, you start to be jealous or self-sabotage, self-loathing maybe. And then you find yourself starting to, to look at images of people online and, and, and maybe it's looking at porn or masturbating and you, you never thought you'd get there and you're trying to fight against it. But, but the attention that's been fed all day long was, was, was seeing this and your heart being moved to jealousy and to, um, to shame. And it kind of becomes an endless cycle because your shame leads to more struggle. And that makes you actually more jealous of people in relationship. Or for guys, we, we talked about this just super briefly at, at the Kirkwood Bible study. Like, guys, it's not sin to notice that there's a girl around you, right? It's not even sin to notice if she's pretty. But it's that second look, that lingering look where your attention actually goes there that starts to feed the stuff in your mind that comes up when you're, when you're alone at night. And it's a battle in your thought or a battle with your phone to go and look at stuff. And so you can get an accountability partner. You can, you can start to go and try to tackle it on that front. Those things are good. But if you never move your attention and your affection, then your actions are going to keep coming up the same thing. It says, set your mind on things that are above. Maybe you need to move your attention, balance your eyes. Paul says something with this in, in Philippians 4 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, this is Philippians 4 8. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Your thought life matters deeply to your devotion to Jesus. Think about these things. Think about them, and you might start to encounter new affections and actions from there. This might look like memorizing scripture, focusing your mind on God's word. And if you've ever used the excuse around me, I have a bad memory, like you know I've called that out, or if you've ever thought like, I've just got a bad memory, I can't memorize scripture, like that is not true. Okay, genuinely not true. I know some dudes that have a bad memory that can quote like hot rod all day long or like memes all day long, right? You have a great memory for the things you care about. And you know you should care about scripture, but you might not actually care about it, right? Like I get it, I get it. And you don't see the value until you start to put your attention there. And when you put your attention there, your heart starts to move and it takes your action. If you want to have a devoted life, be a devoted follower of Jesus, you need to set your sights and set your mind. You need to start taking some action to grab your attention. It will move your affection and your action. Let me read verses three and four. Paul says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Paul gives the reason for, for all of this stuff again. Who you are has changed. You have died to who you used to be. But, but look again what he says. He says, your life is hidden with Christ. He says, when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him. 
Friends, maybe you haven't experienced life because you've been looking in the wrong places. Like your hope has moved from Jesus to something much smaller. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, like if you genuinely don't know him, if you're not, if you're not a Christian, this verse is not true of you. When he appears, your life won't appear with him. You don't have life with him. The, the best hope you have is just the stuff in this world. Like I'm not trying to be mean or petty. Like that is just true. This is the best you've got to look forward to and it's not really all that great. If you want real life, not just now but forever, if you want the real life you were made for, you have to, you have to accept the gift of life that Jesus is offering through his death. But, but here's the deal. His death was required by your sin, by you chasing life in all kinds of things that could never actually give you life anyway. Eternity is very, very long, and eternity separated from the God of the universe, the source of life and hope and peace. Separated from that God in hell, that is not an eternity I want for you. That is not an eternity you want for you. But Jesus died for you in your deadness. Like he died for you when you had no hope and no chance of pursuing him. He died to pay for your sins that you could have life. And when he rose to life in victory, he did that offering you life with him forever. Starting right now, not just when you die, forever. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, the God of the universe. No one comes to the Father except through me. Your hopes have been set much, much too low. Tonight, just accept him. Like that, that might be the only application for you tonight. Accept what Jesus is offering you tonight. But Christian, you can nod along with me and fall into the same trap of actually setting your hopes much too low. Um, we, we have a picture, actually. Can you put this picture up for me? What is that? Okay, name the most famous mountain. Mount Everest. Hey, that is Mount Everest, right? Is Mount Everest bigger than your hand? This is a stupid question. Yes. Mount Everest is bigger than your hand? Are you sure? Okay, when, when is Mount Everest smaller than your hand? Hey, it's a matter of perspective, right? Just put your hand up. Put your hand up in front of your face until, until you can't see Mount Everest anymore right? Yep. And yeah, some of you are jerks and are like smacking your friends in the face, okay? I, I knew that would happen. I'm sorry, but um, that, that's a really silly question. When is Mount Everest bigger than, or smaller than your hand, right? Like, we know the right answer, but, but think about this with me. Your perspective on it changes your reality, right? Like, your perspective on Mount Everest changes your reality so much that like, if you got fixed on, on, on your hand, like, all of a sudden your hand is bigger than a lot of things. Like, all of a sudden your vision is, is clouded and captured by a lot of things, and so you can't really see beyond what's in front of you. This is maybe this thing, if you've, ever, if you've ever climbed a mountain, if you've been to Colorado or whatever, and you start climbing up and you see what looks like the peak and you get up to it, and then you get on top of it and all of a sudden there's another peak, right? That, that little peak, I... I was trying to climb a mountain to catch the sunrise one time, and it was the most disheartening experience because I kept seeing the top and then getting there, and there's another top, right? Like, I never got to the top to see the sunrise. It was a bummer. Here's the thing. Your, your hopes are a lot like your hand. 
Like you've been putting some hopes in front of your face that, that have actually been clouding your view from the bigger hope that God is offering you. If your highest hope is to get married or to get a dream job, or at the very least like finish the semester and not flunk, right? You're not living for things that are actually worth your life. You're living for things that are not worth your life. Maybe good things, but good things in the wrong place become bad things. And know this, everyone is busy and burnt out in this room. Like all of you probably feel frustrated and overwhelmed with the amount of stuff on your plate. We are setting our our hopes on things that can't take the weight of our hopes. You're you're walking out on ice that is too thin to bear you and you're going to fall through if your hopes are set on those. Everything that you put your hope in that's not Jesus, that's putting your hand in front of the mountain. And it's going to let you down because it's not, it's not true. It's not reality. It's not what your life is worth. You can work hard for your dream job and then wake up every day wondering if it's worth it. Like you can actually accomplish your goals, the things you've set out for yourself, and have a terrible life. People do it all the time. Welcome to the club. It's called a midlife crisis. It happens all the time, right? You can, you can go from being passionate and loving what you do to just scraping by and living for the weekend. None of you want that. Or the things you put your hope in can utterly fail you. You can get a divorce. Your parents can get a divorce. You can get laid off from your dream job or, or you can get hurt and miss the season. If you live for that relationship, whether it's, whether it's looking for sex or belong or being desired, if it's a relationship with another sinful human being, which surprise it will be, they are going to let you down and disappoint you. They're going to hurt you. They can't bear the weight of your hope. Maybe it's getting out of Cedar Rapids and getting to another town. You're the same person there. A town's going to let you down. The same kinds of people there. Even if it's more exciting for a little bit or, or it's the next party the next weekend, those parties will leave you less hopeful, more empty, Give it a try, I dare you, you don't want to go there. None of those things are your life. What did, what did Paul said? He said, your life is hidden in Christ. So, so, so I'm pleading with you to give up your handful of hope for the mountain of hope that Jesus is offering you. But, but that's going to maybe be a really painful process for some of us of, of, of these things we've been hoping in for so long, pulling them down and looking at the mountain of hope beyond. Like you, that might be terribly uncomfortable for you tonight, but it is so much more worth it. Let me tell you this. If your life is hidden in Christ, that is the safest place for it to be. Set your hope on Jesus. He's coming back. Paul said, when Christ who is your life appears, he is coming back. Paul says, he uses this word glory, it's overwhelming beauty and majesty and might. Everything right, everything as it should be, hoped, fulfilled. We won't need hope on that day because he's done it all. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's a historic fact that there is an empty tomb. And if there's an empty tomb, it means Jesus rose. No one has produced a body. No one has come up with it. All of the enemies for the last 2,000 years of Christianity cannot produce a body or a tomb with a body in it. 
That is a guarantee, Jesus promising that he is going to come back. Your hope is as sure as Mount Everest, if not more so, because one day that mountain will be gone and Jesus will be reigning. That is your hope. Do not for one second settle for less. If all of your plans fail, if every relationship you chase after this crashes and burns, if, if you lose your job or your health or your family, Hope in Jesus will not disappoint. He will come back. He will never leave you or betray you or let you down. Jesus is coming. That is a hope that you can count on. What what you and I need to do is preach, preach to our small handfuls of hope. Jesus is coming. I have hope in him. Like I've died to those things and, and I have life and hope in him. You need to preach that to your identity and your reputation, those little things you've been settling for. No, no, no. Jesus is coming. My life is hidden with him. That thin ice you've been hoping with, that you've been skating out on, that could plunge any second now. That reputation you've worked so hard to develop that could crash and burn. When have you been staring at your hand and missing the mountain of hope that Jesus offers you? Preach to yourself. Don't, don't just let me do it or your connection group leader. Preach to yourself. I have died to those things. My life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is my life, I will appear with him, my real life, with him in glory forever. Devoted followers of Jesus have more real life. We need to set our sights on things that are above, set our goals and our desires on the kingdom. We need to set our minds on things that are above. Like your focus and your attention and your thought life on what is true and beautiful on Jesus and his word. We need to set our hope on Jesus and give up those small handfuls of hope for the mountain of hope he offers. Let me just put it another way. Pursue real identity by focusing on Jesus. Pursue real identity by focusing on Jesus. And again, for some of you, pursue might be too weak of a word. You might actually need to start fighting for real identity because you've never fought before. When I look around this room, I see like unlimited kingdom potential. You're like, I know, I'm pretty sweet. But... But, but hear me say this, I, I see a room full of people that if we actually begin to find our identity in Jesus, like if we actually begin to pursue him like he's inviting us to, people around us will see life that they've been craving. Like they will see something insanely different, not because you're trying to have like a good kid reputation, but because you're going to be overflowing with rivers of life from Jesus for you, but more than that, through you to people around we could see kingdom movement on your campus. Like we could see people giving up those things they've been chasing, hurting themselves and hurting others. We could see hope. Maybe to your family that needs it. Maybe to, to that friend that's been struggling. Maybe, maybe that's for you tonight. Like what would happen if we began to pursue our identity by focusing on Jesus, by living out these things Paul's invited to us in, in Corinthians or Colossians? We would have more life and we'd have life to give and invite people into because of what Jesus has accomplished.
And eternity would be so much sweeter when we get to spend it with those people that he's inviting with us, wouldn't it? We're, we're going to pray and praise him and worship him because he is worth it tonight. Wherever you're at, wherever God's been speaking to you from this text tonight, we're going to worship the one that accomplished real life through his death and resurrection. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we love you. We love you because you loved us first and you gave yourself that we would be yours. We love you because you are actually worth our love and you're, you're the only one really worth our love and you give us life. And tonight, I just pray, Spirit, if there's been something from the word that you would have us remember, that you would you'd fix our, our, our sights and our minds and our hope on Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Teach us to respond and worship. We pray in your name. Amen.